Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 49 of the Seam Sketchy podcast. Uh, we don't really have any. We normally just try to do basketball players for the numbers, but there yeah. are, again, not many people that have worn 49. There are only two, and I have not heard of either of them, so I'm just going to give a special shout-out to Tim Wakefield, a uh, Red hey. Sox legend, uh, one of the best knuckleballers to ever do it. I'm Kyle Bray alongside... Garo G. Baz Baz. We're back with a, uh, a special episode today, Garo. We're doing our special. first ever, actually, like, interview episode. It'll be our second ever guest, but our first actual yes. interview. The last time we had a guest was just sort of just to talk about something, but this is an actual interview. Garo, who are we talking to today? We're talking to a great friend of mine, uh, Alex Surenyan, uh footwear and graphic designer. We're going to talk about, you know, what he's been up to, his recent projects, and everything in between. Yeah, it's going to be great. We're also going to be talking about some current events that have happened. You know, there was a pretty big uh, televised concert this past weekend during a uh, pretty big TV mm. event. And also uh, something that's something that I think we'll, we'll both have plenty of stuff to weigh in on. So uh, we want to get right into it. Let's do it. So over the weekends, you know, we're obviously from New England. We both pay Patriots fans. We watched the Super Bowl. We saw Tom Brady get his seventh ring. Unfortunately, not with us. Yeah. Uh, and Gronk getting his fourth. Uh, so, so it was tough. You know, I mean, were, were you rooting for Brady in that game? Or 100%. I mean, uh, I'm not the type of person to be petty and be like, well, he left us. I don't want him to win. He still gave us multiple championships. So I don't think I don't know why you would not want him to win. Um, also, it's more. I didn't want Jackson Mahomes to make TikToks. <laughs> hey, fair enough. See, I I was the petty one for most of the season. You know, I was pretty mad that he left us, yeah. but you know, in the end, I was like, yeah, whatever. You know, it's not really that big of a deal. He moved on. I think it was more or less the fact that I knew that he was going to keep winning and the Pats were going to suck. It's not even that like, mm. you know, if he was you. still winning and the Pats were like competitive but just didn't make the Super Bowl, you know, then it's like, all right, whatever. You know, we just didn't get there. But you know, I think it was the fact that they were just so bad this year that hurt. But there was a pretty good highlight, at least I, in my opinion, of the Super Bowl, which was yeah. the halftime show. And it, it really felt like one of the first halftime shows in a while that I actually genuinely cared about. And I think yeah. it's because they actually finally got an artist that appeals to, you know, maybe our generation, mm. The weekend, And he absolutely, in my opinion, had a terrific, terrific show. Um, and it was funny. I remember seeing something. It was basically someone tweeted, a bunch of people tweeted this, but the, the one that I saw was like, people that didn't like this show were people that go to bed at nine o'clock because like pretty much yeah. like if it, I, I would understand if you're like older, you know, you probably wouldn't, you probably wouldn't get this, but like, I thought it was an absolutely tremendous performance. I think he smashed it. I mean, I think his, um, you know, the songs he played great. I think the opener, which I'm still really, Starboy. Uh, no, I'm saying like the, how we started the performance where like it was in the oh, car, yeah. then he comes out and it's like a screen behind him. I don't know how they did that. So that was really cool. I think the I, th effects... I think that was like a pre-recorded thing, and then Must've he been. emerged from like you know like the however the he got the the stage in the in yeah. the stands to open, and he kind of emerged from there. I mean, he was doing a cardio during that. He was running up and down all around oh, the yeah. stands and the stadium. Like th this man was putting in work. <laughs> and I I really love this whole like aesthetic that he that he has brought up from his last album, which is like '80s like Vegas show lights and all this yeah. other stuff. And I love how he's like still running with it. I think it really does suit him. And I love like, I mean, to start it off, like uh, I think in the beginning when it was like all those um, the other performers and like these different yeah. boxes or whatever, it was like kind of confusing, but it was like different, which I think is great yeah. for it. Like you were saying for a Super Bowl. Um, and then, but my favorite part, I think most people is because like of the memes and everything is when he goes into like that. In the tunnel, and he's running around. The guy, there were so many great oh, yeah. memes from that. I mean, that's how you know you have a good Super Bowl show is if you can yeah. come up with a good memeable. Meme oh, that's like perfect. last year was so memeable. I mean, the, the year before really wasn't, or I guess it had this whole SpongeBob thing, so maybe, but I don't really mm. know. Yeah, but then, um, I liked how you know they, um, he had all like the duplicates or whatever with, that was wearing the white wrapping, but also like masks. Yeah. So it's you know, it's they yeah, you know, they're, they're all being safe, you know, um. But I, no, I think he, I think he smashed it, and I think um, I really like the vocals on it. My favorite part was either when you played um, "Earned It" and um, "The Hills," because I haven't heard "The Hills" in a long time. And I forgot how yeah. good that song is. 
such a good song. I was um, surprised he played Earned It because it's one of those like I was like, oh, I yeah. remember we were talking <laughs> about it and I was like, that's a Fifty Shades of Grey song. I don't know if he's gonna play that at the Super Bowl, but no, no, he did. And it he was said, interesting because there was a prop bet. It was like, well, there, there were two prop bets revolving around the halftime show, one of which was, will he do a costume change? And which I was like, no, he's not going to because, you know, his whole shtick has been like wearing that red suit with the bandages yeah. and whatnot. So like, he's definitely not going to change. But the other one was, what song was he going to close with? And I, I think the, the favorite was Blinding Lights. And I was pretty much mm. like, no, like he should open with that. That's a great opening mm. song. But I was wrong. He did he did end up closing with that. And I thought, you know, it absolutely brought the house down. I mean, that's an incredible song. They said apparently that's like the most successful Billboard song of this century. Right I, 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 I saw that. It's been charting I, for so long now. Really? Okay. Then I thought like, I always see headlines like that. And I'm like, I feel like this happens to every song, like every week yeah. or something. Well, there's yeah. something just like that song. It's just like just always been there. And I mean, it makes sense. I mean, it's a, it's an incredibly catchy and just like great mm. tune, you know. Um, and and I'm glad he did it. And I'm glad that he it uh, you know it went well. I mean, he put what he put seven million of his own money into making the show oh, yeah. come out well. And I, I I think it did. You know, it was good to it. Was, I think most of it was. I don't think I've really ever been excited for a Super Bowl halftime show. I mean, the one the yeah. one previously with J Lo and Shakira was like, you know, I was like oh, whatever, and then it ended up being great, and I was like, oh, okay, mm. that's good. But like. I'm thinking to think about most halftime shows other than that. Like, I can't really think of one that I like really enjoyed, you know? I mean, like the Prince one when I was younger, I didn't really get, but I'm, sh- I'm sure if I go back and watch it, I'm sure but like appreciate it a lot. Maroon five. That was like two years ago. Like no one yeah. cares. Um, yeah. But no, Kate, he, he, Katy Perry left shark, Katy all Perry. that shit. But like, like uh, it, I think it was just nice to have an artist that, yeah. like, you know, us younger people are more interested in, you know, I'm sure all the fun, I'm sure all the, the older folks did not enjoy it at all, but it was like one of those, it was like, Oh, nice. All right. This is like someone for me, you know? Yeah, yeah, literally. And I mean, he killed it. I mean, speaking of somebody that's killing it with his uh, new look, I should say. Ooh, okay. We're, we're transitioning now. All right, all right. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to work on my transition, so. Okay, you know. okay. Um, then, then, then you lead us in. What's, what's this second thing that we're going to talk about before we get to this interview? We're talking about Little Uzi Vert and how he just went completely sicko mode and put a supposedly allegedly put a 24 million dollar diamond on his forehead permanently pink diamonds not just any type pink of diamond, diamond. Pink, pink diamond, diamond. Pink diamond. Pink diamond. you know i think pink i, I think on his forehead you know i think aliante was the guy that put it on him and supposedly the reason i said killing for the transition is because like he says that if this if if like it falls out or incorrectly comes out he could die which is like um, people which were scared. Which is insane. To hear. I'm, I'm kind of like, wait, what? Like, how does that? Like, what do you, what do you mean? Hey, well, I think you sent me a TikTok, right? Where he's almost 27. So. Well, no, 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 no. I'm talking. <laughs> about, I'm no, no. I sent you that because like that was the whole conspiracy about how this yeah. is supposed to like save his life or something and keep him like 26 forever. But like, um, I don't, I'm like, I don't, like, I don't understand how, how it falling out would kill him. I don't know how it's implanted. Well, it was bleeding recently. Yeah, I like, mean, it, uh, I. I, I as as cool as I think it is, and as funny as I think it is, I also think it's pretty stupid. And I think it's very it's, scary, especially well, especially if it's one of those things where if it falls out, you could die. Like what? The, like what's the what's the fucking point? <laughs> I, I don't even know what the science is on it. Like oh, how he could have. I mean, I'm assuming it's a piercing to a certain degree on his yeah. forehead. Then, but yeah, like that's what I thought it is. It's like you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe it wasn't like it was like surgically implanted. It's just like a piercing. No. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like. Who else, you know, could like pull it off? Oh, He's yeah. pulling I mean, it off. I mean, I, I'm not, I, I'm not really surprised that this would be something that he would do. Um, and definitely, oh, yeah. definitely would be at the top of the list of people that can pull this off, for sure. Um, and, and I, I mean, think also I the memes that have come out of it are great. You know, everyone's obviously doing the, the Thanos vision meme where they're like, "Oh yeah, give me that," I'm trying to rip it out of his head. You know, I'm, I'm scared it's actually gonna happen, like, to him. Well, no, there's there was a video. It's just like me when I catch Uzi without his security, and it's just Thanos grabbing Vision and being like, "That's scary." And I mean, I think it out of his forehead. I think I think it wouldn't be seem sketchy if we didn't talk about little Uzi in in some sense. Oh yeah, episode. I mean, well, I mean, <laughs> but the thing is, I think he'll be fine in that regard. I mean, you've yeah. you've seen his security before, you know? Oh yeah, uh, they, they they roll pretty deep, you know. He has I, love the, I love that video too where it's just like this is a little oozy with his security and it's just like the guy just walking around just smiling and him just getting like pushed along by this big yeah. guy yeah it's like uh it reminds me of that video where he jumped off the stairs and it was like all security around him and it also reminds me of me when i i tried to see meet him and like the security guards were being assholes like yeah, they don't no, play. That's, that's what i was talking about <laughs> they don't play they do not play they don't i mean hey i mean he's a 
especially now that he's got this diamond in his forehead like because that's like a valuable thing like that's not yeah. even a oh let me steal <laughs> this diamond from Lil Uzi for cloud it's like no that's like a 24 million dollar diamond yeah. like that's expensive like people are gonna it, try to steal that if someone pulls up on him they'll be like instead of saying run your pockets it's like give me your forehead oh just take that yeah, yeah but no, um, seriously um so yeah i mean hey good, good for Uzi I, I did see a funny tiktok um because I think he was at the Super Bowl to tie it tied in with the first thing we talked mm. about. I'm pretty sure he was at the Super Bowl. And there's that TikTok audio from the song two that's trending. The Uzi. Uzi, not Uzi. again. There was a girl yeah, yeah. who um was like in the box next to Lil Uzi Vert and she was like filming him with it. Like she was filming him that's to funny. that audio. And all the comments were just like the like the emoji of like two fingers going and like like grabbing <laughs> something and everyone's saying girl do it like you're missing your opportunity and everyone was just like give me <laughs> just that's that, so like funny. emoji it's like oh my god like that's i mean so hey funny. when you think about it it also could just be a really good like marketing ploy for him you know too because like now everyone's talking about him and you know people are making memes you know hey that's that's the best way to maintain relevancy is memes i mean hopefully he drops another album i mean even though we've been spoiled well, he, he has one uh he has one scheduled at least forever from tiktok i saw forever young yeah so yeah, yeah. He's been he's been dropping snippets, so you know usually when he drops or not drops snippets, but on his stories and stuff. Usually yeah. when that happens, you, you you can expect an album coming soon. He had three albums last year. Now that I'm thinking about it, that's kind of insane. That's that's insane. I always forget that the, that the Pluto baby Pluto dropped. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe maybe I think that Uzi fans like we can wait a little bit, you know, for for another project. I mean, we did we I feel did you. get. We did get we're a little stuffed, you know. We 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 got fed pretty well in 2020, so maybe mm. we can sit 2021 out um, and just focus on waiting for a Frank Ocean album or something like that. Post, I mean, Ocean something or like Rihanna or something, you know. Rihanna heavy or like begging for him, you know. Just Kendrick, I'll take I'll take a scissor, bro. That's Ugh. all I want. It's funny we're saying these like they're just like you know like oh you know. It's, that, that's something that could just easily happen, but you know, like these are artists that are very secretive and don't do anything, and you know, it's literally, like, well, whatever, you know. Hey, but you know, they don't know us anything. Hopefully, hopefully they'll, yeah. uh, hopefully they'll, they'll decide to drop something. Literally, so, I think that's gonna wrap it up for our little intro things. Garo, do yes. you want to get straight into this interview? Let's do it, Kyle. Very excited. Let's get it. All right. Um, well, I would like to introduce our first interviewee of Seam Sketchy's history, my good friend Alex Ren. Footwear and graphic designer Alec, how are you? I'm doing great, man. Thank you for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. Feel honored to be that to be the first, first. guest. You know, <laughs> our first uh, new boundaries. Oh yeah, you know, I like I was telling Kyle when we, when we brought this show back, I was like, I want to bring you know more creative people in, and I'm like, who better than like people we know and our friends? Um, no, seriously. Now, Alec, before we start getting to the question, we just, I was hope, or we were hoping that you can uh, kind of elaborate more on your experience with, like I said before, footwear and graphic design. Yeah, sure. So to kind of kick things off on why, you know, like, I think that really is the, the biggest thing mm -hmm. when it comes to, you know, what was that path that got me to this point? Um from an really early age, I was a very creative person. You know, I was drawing, you know, stuff on colorful eight and a half by 11 printer paper from when I was like, you know, in early on in elementary school. Um, so some of those big influences for me, like at a really young age was like, I would be very interested in people like Picasso and Claude Monet, you know, these European artists classically trained from, from back in the day. And I was really inspired by the way that they create more abstract pieces, the way that they painted, um, you know, the geometric shapes, but also the more expressive style of painting, which was very contrast to, you know, some of these insane Victorian era paintings that are like hyper-realistic. Like I was much more into like the more expressive stuff from an early age. And it was, a, it, I, I owe it a lot to like my elementary school art teacher. Like she like kind of exposed me to this stuff from an early age. And I was so into it that I was like really drawing stuff from an early age. Um, so art was always like a part of me from, from the beginning. So that was kind of like the foundation. And I was like the classes I was always interested in taking, you know, throughout, you know, elementary school, middle school and high school was always art. So there came a point 
later on in my life, as I was getting older, I started to run cross country and track and I was also playing soccer from an early age. So um, those sports were also things that I was very passionate about. And I really didn't know what I wanted to do with like my career. Like I did, wasn't really into being a graphic designer, like by trade, like full time through and through. I wanted to do something that involved like, you know, working with my hands, you know, creating tangible things. Cause I was always into that as well. So the idea was, you know, I can take the passions that I have for sport and the passions I have for art and like combine them together into something that really takes those two things and makes it one. And that's where like footwear design was, was that it was those two things that led me to that point. Um, and from the get-go, it was always like soccer cleats. Like that was like the first thing I wanted to design. Um, Cause I remember, you know, going to Newberry street and there's the, there's the Nike town there. And I walked in and there was like a display of the Nike hypervenom for those that are familiar when it first Ooh. launched back in like the early 2010s fire, yeah. um, fire cleat, amazing design. Um, rest in peace to that because it was only around for a few years, but oh, yeah when they first launched it, there was like a book on display in that store. And I visit Boston very actively because I have family there. Mm -hmm. Um, and my sister goes to school there as well. So it was like, I I'm so familiar with the, with the Boston scene. Like I went to Newberry street cause you know, like all the shops are there, you know, always can check out like the window sections and just see what uh, shoes are on display. So I went into that store and I saw that there was this booklet about the hypervenom and like the process it took to design it from sketch to, you know, final, you know, design production mm -hmm. pair. So I would see these sketches and I was like, wow, this is so fucking sick. Like, I want to do something like that. Like I want to draw, you know, like soccer cleats and design things for like athletes, you know, like the Neymars, the Ronaldo's, the Messi's, et cetera. So that was like that aha moment, but it was just a combination of all those things um, for footwear. For graphic design, it was just kind of like something that I was doing from early on age as well like I was very involved uh with my youth group my Armenian youth group from an early age so we would do like local events and some of the parents saw that I was a very creative individual that can draw and could design shirts like design shirt graphics so I started doing that when I was like towards the end of middle school into high school like that was when I like first designed a t-shirt for a it was like a Midwest Junior Olympics, I believe, that, that we do locally here in the Midwest. So um, that was like like an, another, another early thing, but it's kind of like progressed and has like gone through some changes over the years in terms of what I've done. But I've done a lot of shirt designing and graphics as well, like on the side, um, just as something to do in addition to like the more like focused thing that I do, which is footwear. I mean, that's like a dream for me for the like making a graphic for an, uh, an AYF event or something. You know, I, I bet that, that was awesome. Um, that's great, though. I mean, Nike Town, Boston, that was like if you're a young kid from Boston or just like, you know, you're in the area, that's like the, the mecca of like footwear and like seeing all this stuff. Because it was like I think back then there weren't really a lot of stores as there are now. So I think that's like uh, I definitely understand that the inspiration that you're that you're yeah, you got it from. Um, and speaking of inspiration, I think I want to get straight into, you know, your newest project, um, AS.AM. I hopefully I'm, I said that correctly. Or is it, it's not, it's not awesome, right? It's just AS.AM. Yeah, it's AS.AM. Right. Perfect. And I want to talk about, you know, what inspired you. And I remember I texted you, but I'm like, uh, I was like, well, finally, you're doing this guy. Like, I know, <laughs> I, I think I told you like back then, like you should be doing this on your own when you're helping me with the bass stuff. And I was like, this is something that you should be doing. I think you would do great on it. So, you know, what inspired you to start it finally? And also like, what do you hope to accomplish? Um, I don't want to say long-term cause you know, you just started it. So, you know, you're kind of getting the feel of it, but you know, what do you hope to, to get or what to do with it? Yeah. I feel like th this, this project was a long time coming for a lot mm -hmm. of people, you know, uh, as I, like, as I alluded to earlier on, I've spent so much of my life, like designing for organizations, designing for other people and collaborating, which I love to collaborate. Like if people have an idea of something, yeah. they, you know, they bring it up. Like I want to do it. Like, for example, with Baz, you know, I was involved with that. Mm -hmm. uh, I did like the most recent drop back in the, back in the spring of last year. So 
it was like really cool to be involved with other, you know, not only people, but just fellow Armenians to create and be creative in, in this, in this space. So, you know, I've spent so much of my life designing for others that I never was really in a position where I was able to consider designing for myself sometimes. And this isn't to say that I haven't designed for myself. I've spent a lot of my life, you know, doing personal projects and doing stuff in my industrial design, like product design side of my life uh, for myself. But when it comes down to more of a brand for more apparel, like I've done so much of that for other people and other groups, which I'm totally okay with, you know, doing volunteer work and, you know, collaborating. But I was in a position where I was involved with the Baz stuff. I helped out with that. I collaborated with a couple other small businesses to do like graphics and stuff. And another, another big reason was, you know, when, uh, for those who aren't aware, when the war broke out between Armenia and Azerbaijan in the fall of last year, you know, that obviously was a very large shock for, 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 especially for us young Armenians that were born post, you know, collapse of the Soviet Union, you know, like none of us really had experienced anything like that to this scale before. And it was a really big wake up call for a lot of us uh, individuals in the Armenian youth that, you know, that this battle against, you know, our enemies is an ongoing threat. It's an ongoing problem. And we got it. We, we unfortunately saw this, be, you know, be carried out you know, before our eyes firsthand. And it was obviously very emotionally frustrating, difficult, depressing Definitely. for a lot of us. And obviously this whole year, almost this whole year, you know, when, when the, when the pandemic began, you know, February, March of last year, like it's been an extremely stressful time mentally and emotionally for everybody. And the one way that I, as a, as a creator, am able to cope emotionally with all of this is by creating more stuff. Mm. Like I see my ability and my craft as a way to mentally cope with, with all these things. And the situation of the pandemic was obviously very difficult, but the added aspect of the war in Armenia, you know, it, it really made it much more close to home and was much more, uh, it affected me much more. So I saw this as a time of, you know, I've spent so much time designing for other people. I need to start designing for myself. And I value not only being able to create, but also giving back and being able to create products that make a difference. Like that's kind of like the ethos of this brand and, and more so like my own mindset as a creator is, you know, we can obviously make dope shit, you know, that's okay. Like it's okay to create dope shit. Like that's exciting. You know, it moves yeah. the needle forward, but if you can create dope stuff, but make, you know, a, a product that has like a, a story behind it, the storytelling is impactful and that it can actually make a difference by a either raising awareness or B, you know, having proceeds from that product mm -hmm. be donated to nonprofits to help. Mm -hmm. So that was the whole, like, idea behind this was I want to create a brand that not only is more of a manifestation of what I believe as a designer and like what I visually, you know, can curate, but also something that can make a difference that can do something. So like everything in ASAM, AS.AM is, uh, you know, a product that's inspired by Armenian history, by, by our culture, by, you know, prominent figures that have existed that have made a difference. And these products are meant to like basically to take the the uh, you know the heroes of the past and empower the heroes of the future type of a messaging. So like there's that message, and then there's also you know the callbacks to cultural elements like you know Turchnuk here, which is like a bird alphabet thing that I'm that I that I did. It's like a something I did for Boz, but also something I'm doing now in my own style. So all the proceeds or part of the proceeds from the products that I sell will directly go as of right now for this drop to Armenian Relief Society, which has initiatives to help like wounded soldiers of Armenia, um, you know, uh, help rebuild communities in Armenia, help families. So I would rather design something that really has like an impact on the world then you know just make something just because it's cool and i owe that a lot to like my my professors and to my mentors throughout 
the years of the brands that I've worked at in footwear. Like, you know, you can design something that's cool, but you got to have a story behind you. You got to have something that is really beneficial to the consumer and to like a bigger picture. So that's like the whole idea behind all of this. Yeah. And so talk to us a little bit about the story behind the designs that you did with AS.AM. I mean, I, I love, I've been looking at the stuff, the shirts and the stickers, they all look fantastic. So tell us a little bit of the history behind, you know, the designs that you went for. Sure. Yeah, no, I appreciate that, Kyle. Thank you. Um, so the idea behind each product, for example, the, the main, like the pinnacles of this collection are the figure t-shirts, you know, the graphic tees. So one of them is uh, to start off is Sose Maidig. So Sose Maidig, her, her actual name is Sose Vartanian. She was born um, in historical Armenia, uh, I believe. Um, let me quickly check here just to make sure so that I don't butcher this history. Yeah, so to start over, she was born in Armenia, specifically historical Armenia, um, Sasun to be exact. And she, because she was born in historical Armenia, this is pre-Armenian genocide. You know, there were uh, a lot of Armenians that were living in historical Armenia. For example, my family came from there. My family was affected by the Armenian genocide. They came from um, Urfa, Bursa, Dikranagerd, these places. All over. Yeah. yeah, just kind of all over the place. Um, so... A lot of those, a lot of us diasporan Armenians, you know, whether we live in the United States, Canada, Europe, um, wherever we are, you know, the Armenian diaspora is one of the broadest diasporas and the largest, one of the largest in the world. And a lot of it was because, unfortunately, of the Armenian genocide. And so she was born pre-Armenian genocide in Sasun, historic Armenia. Now, what is Eastern Turkey? Mm -hmm. um, so when these pogroms, these, the, you know, these uprisings specifically uh, by the Turks and the Kurds, uh, you know, at the, in the late 1800s, in the early 1900s, you know, all of this was based off of the manipulation of the, the, the people of the Ottoman Empire, specifically, you know, the, 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 the Turks and the Kurds, they, the, the Turkish government was basically trying to commit genocide by steps. So they were going through these steps of, uh, you know, starting to target Armenians in the late 1800s, uh, specifically communities, you know, affecting their commerce, affecting their the villages that exist all throughout historical Armenia. And they would be sending, you know, these battalions, these Turkish and Kurdish battalions to these to these villages and these cities to ransack or, you know, just attack basically to suppress the Armenians and the Assyrians and the Greeks that lived in historic Armenia in, in, in Western Armenia. And the whole idea behind this was because we were successful. We were dominating the, the economy and we were very smart people. We were very good business people. So, you know, they saw this as a threat. They wanted to obviously enact some form of ethnic cleansing, you know, by steps which eventually became straight up genocide, you know, in 1915 to 1923. And so Sosemadi was a figure in this rebellion through the, uh, at, at the time because organizations were starting to pop up, you know, and were being established specifically in like the Baltic countries, like in, you know, based off of these more progressive ideologies of, uh, you know, more leftist leaning political uh, ideals. Um, specifically, if you look at like the, the Armenian Revolutionary Federation, for example, that was kind of the main movement that that basically was the rebellion against these attacks on our mm -hmm. on our historic lands. So Sosa Maidig was given the nickname Maidig because of her devotion to her comrades, her devotion to the Armenian youth. And Maidig means mother in Armenian. So she was given this title because of her her caring, her loving uh, attitude, but also her desire to, you know, really fight for the cause. So she was involved in a lot of the um, the, the the defenses and uh, basically holding off the 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 Turkish and Kurdish advances that happened in Eastern and Western Armenia. So I really wanted to do this person because. She's a symbolic individual, not only for her work as a as a patriot, you know, as a, as a revolutionary, mm -hmm. but because she's a woman, 
And at the time in, in, you know, the late 1800s, early 1900s, there, there, you know, the majority of the individuals that were fighting this fight against the, 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 the Turks and the Kurds was, you know, it was mostly just um, men, you know, so they were kind of the dominant, they were the main gender. I mean, at the time it was a very male dominated society. And since obviously we progressed and we've, we've been advocating more for, for, for equal rights, for, for, for genders, for sexualities, for, um, you know, uh, you know, those sort of things. But at the time it was very much unorthodox for a woman to be kind of taking on, uh, taking up arms and like, fighting so you know I, I see her as an inspiration for her for her for her, you know for her grit for her progressive you know mindset that you know just because she's a woman doesn't mean that she can't fight this fight this you know the enemy fight for this cause so I am very inspired by her, you know, because of her very progressive uh, mindset and stuff. And, you know, that, you know, she was a woman and basically setting an example for anyone really that regardless of who you are or how you identify or, you know, whatever the case may be, that you can fight for a cause, that you can, you know, make a difference. So she was a really big inspiration, um, you know, for years for me. And then, you know, so that, that was obviously one of the individuals. Um, and she was like a trailblazer. And I think one yeah. thing I really liked about why you used her is that I want to say she's like an underrated IE or revolutionary in the Armenian community, but she's not, uh, I guess, given the, as much credit as like, let's say, a Monte, which you're going to talk about, or like a Vatam Amigonian or, 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 you know, and I think that was really great um, that, you know, something... Um, that's not really given the, the light or the shine, but it's very important for our histories is brought up in this fashion. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that, you know, she does get a lot of respect, but again, it's like these, these more, these other, these male fedais kind of these yeah. freedom fighters, you know, are, are the ones that mainly have been, you know, have been more of the focal point. And this isn't mm -hmm. to say that we're trying to detract away from their work, but rather, you know, again, it's a lot of men fighting and fighting this fight. And, you know, there are a lot of women that need to obviously be, celebrated for their for, for their efforts that they've done you know that their work is equally as important as these other individuals who are all part of this larger cause you know it's a collective thing exactly. um so you know that she was one of like the main people and i can go on to the next person if you guys want um to, oh, yeah, to talk about course. them uh so the second person is uh monte melconian and um He's really known, he is an Armenian hero, you know, he's a, he, he's, a, he's a hero for the Armenian people because of his involvement in the first Artsakh war in, uh, the, in the 90s. So a really fast history lesson, when the Soviet Union was collapsing, um, all these oblasts, these, these regions, these former Soviet republics in the Soviet Union were starting to demand for independence. So a lot of the countries that were under Soviet rule began to uprise and declare independence once the Soviet Union fully collapsed in 91. So the idea was, you know, that all these countries can finally claim independence, that they can have a sovereign nation to not be dictated by any sort of larger regime. And, you know, a lot of countries were, you know, declaring independence and Armenia declared their independence. And during that time when Armenia declared their independence and became a republic again, an independent republic, um, there is a region in Western Azerbaijan that has, that has historically been Armenia for, for centuries. And that region is called Artsakh. Um, and Artsakh has been an historic Armenian land for, for thousands of years, you know, and a lot of Armenian, uh, you know, uh, uh, I guess the, the, you know, the kingdoms that existed throughout our historical Armenia, a lot of the kingdoms in that part of uh, historical Armenia and Artsakh were more or less sovereign kingdoms. You know, they weren't really like under any control. Like for example, like in a lot of historic Armenia and like Western Armenia and present day Armenia, you had a lot of, you know, the, the, these kingdoms, you know, the kingdoms were starting to collapse because of a lot of invading countries. You know, the Turks came in, the Persians came in, you know, there was a, there were a lot of invading um, armies that came through that part of the world, but in Artsakh, it was relatively untouched you know, they were under different rule, but they were able to kind of more 
sovereignly govern their their territory. Yeah. So it's been historic Armenian. It's been historically Armenian for a very very long time. You know, prior to you know any um, Azeri or Turkic peoples coming to that part of the world before the establishment of the Azeri uh, uh, nation. Now, so the idea was, um, you know, if Armenia can basically declare independence, we want to. Um, uh, declare independence as well. You know, the Armenians in Artsakh were the dominating ethnic group and has been historically Armenian. So, you know, they saw this as an opportunity to uh, rise up and demand independence. So during that time, when all when this movement was starting to build up, the Azeri, the former Azeri Socialist Republic saw this as a threat um, the, uh, during the time of the Soviet Union, the, that part of the world is in, in Azerbaijan, the, the, the Republic of Turkey was very involved in like Turkifying and, you know, basically mm -hmm. instilling this more, uh, pan-Turkism. Yeah. The pan-Turkist mindset. So yeah. basically because of the, 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 that aspect, you know, the, this very like I don't know, prejudiced mindset of, of, of the Armenians, but also other minor, minority ethnic groups that exist in Azerbaijan, you know, they saw this as a threat and basically they started to attack these populations um, in, in Artsakh. And basically what happened was, was a war broke out between the, uh, the Azeri army and the, the, these rebellion battalions that basically kind of were, 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 were created because they wanted to declare sovereignty. They wanted to be independent. So it's so basically these Armenian, you know, these, these local militias and, um, you know, basically volunteer corps battalions that were fighting against, you know, an, a state army. So, you know, during this time, as the war began to, you know, really, become a full-on conflict you know the armenians were losing and it wasn't really all that great like there wasn't a lot of hope but monte melconian was born in california he's a diaspora he was born in um uh, in california and throughout his life he spent a lot of times going to a lot of different cultures and a lot of different countries around the world he studied in japan he studied in um europe uh went to armenia he was in the middle east as well so he kind of went spent a lot of his time going around to a lot of these different cultures and and really exposing himself to different languages because he wasn't a fluent speaking armenian when he was when he was younger he ended up going to you know armenian communities in the middle east and armenia and basically learned the language and also was very involved in a lot of like underground movements against you know the uh, these fascist regimes that were basically trying to like suppress people's freedoms so he was definitely involved in a lot of these movements from early on. And then because of the war in Armenia, he stepped up and he wanted to go uh, fight. So he was basically, he was the commander of the Artsakh Defense Army and was responsible for, uh, you know, liberating Marduni and Karvajar, which are, you know, these two regions in present in, in Artsakh and like, his efforts, his, his, you know, his military background and, and his very like his, his, you know, his very like patriotic uh, mm. mindset was, I think, really inspiring for the Defense Army and his, you know, and his his efforts, along with a lot of other very prominent individuals were responsible for basically winning the war and taking back what up until September of 2020 was, you know, the, the Republic of Artsakh. I mean, it is an autonomous region in Azerbaijan right now. It's still self-governing. I mean, obviously after the war, things really changed because a lot of like the land that we had, that we, that we liberated was, you know, taken back by the Azeri forces by force or by the, the ceasefire agreement. So in the end, without his efforts and without a lot of the other individuals efforts, you know, the Artsakh situation, like the land that we have wouldn't have been the way it was. So because Definitely. of the war in Artsakh, yeah. I feel like it was, it only made sense to, you know, pay, you know, pay homage. basically homage to him and to his efforts uh, uh, for, for basically establishing what the modern day Artsakh is now to at least, you know, to at least have something that's tangible. That's like, this is like kind of our dream of, you know, basically, you know, this, this big dream of, you know, having like a free United independent Armenia, this was a step in the right direction, you know? So, um, you know, it's, I think it's only makes sense to pay respect and homage to, to his efforts.
and those are like kind of the focal yeah the the focal point sorry yeah those are like the two main things yeah and then the part of the proceeds from the 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 stuff that you are making here and selling is going to people that were affected by the current conflict as well correct yeah so I, at, at this point, the, the, I knew that I wanted to obviously design product that, again, can make a difference. And so, uh, yes, the idea is to sell, you know, not only the Sose Marigan Monte Maconian t-shirts, but we also have, you know, the tote bags, the stickers. Mm-hmm. We're doing like custom Turchnakir names. Like, you know, you can customize your name in, in this ar- very unique Armenian calligraphy style. And also there's a full alphabet of it as a poster that you can buy. So all the proceeds from this current drop will go directly to the Armenian Relief Society. And they basically are like the Armenian Red Cross. They've been involved from the very beginning since the establishment of their organization in 1910. Um, they've been responsible for helping with a lot of humanitarian aid relief efforts to you know, the people of Armenia, but also to other nations as well. They've been involved. Um, for example, when the Beirut blast happened, back in the summer of last year, the explosion in Beirut, they were very uh, actively involved in sending money to the people mm. of Beirut, not only the Armenian communities that are there, but the, the, the city as a whole. So their humanitarian efforts have been long lasting and they have specific uh, initiatives that are going directly to those people that are affected by the war, those displaced people, and also to help you know rebuild uh, communities, rebuild buildings, and basically try and fix things and make things a little bit more normal. Yeah. Uh, you know, get people back on their feet, help them out, and help invest in this in this region of Armenia that you know is is very important to to this to this larger cause. Yeah, we just have a exactly. couple more questions, but I, since we are predominantly a, a music podcast, we do talk about uh, fashion a lot on here yeah. quite a bit. But um, I, we just want to ask you one sort of like music related question. So like when you're working, it, 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 yeah, because like wh- wh- whenever we're working, we love to have music on in the background. And whenever you're working on designing or homework or whatnot, is there sort of like one album that is like your sort of work album that really gets you going, gets you in the mood? Yeah. I mean, I, I, music is another very large part of my life. I mean, I've, I've been playing drums since I was a little kid, you know, and it, whether like, I, I've been playing a lot of Armenian music in my life and also, you know, a, a lot of other genres. My, my big thing is um, I'm, I'm a very much like a classic rock, modern rock, hard rock, punk, rock metal type of a person. Like that is my, my main thing. Like I, I grew up you know, listening to like the Beatles and um, System of a Down, Rolling Stones, Metallica, you know, all these like bands that are, that, that my dad has grown up liking, because my dad was a musician, he was a drummer as well. So like, I was really at an early age, I was exposed to a lot of that type of music. So for me, I, I kind of like, go back and forth, like, there are a lot of really good rock albums that are like, you know, I consider to be like perfect, you know, I, I think that like, you know, the Beatles Abbey Road is a huge one. Classic. Um, yeah. classic. I Led Zeppelin four is really, really good. Um, you know, there, and there's like other hard rock bands that, that I really am into like Queens of the Stone Age, you know, songs for the deaf. That's I a really, really good album. Um, uh, you know, Foo Fighters, Nirvana, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, like a lot of grunge, the grunge scenes are really big for me too. But if I was like working, I have a, I have a playlist that's like over a day long. It's like 24, mm-hmm. 25 hours of just like the same, like, like a, a wide range of, you know, different like music. So I have like a classic rock playlist that's like very long and has like a lot of these bands. Uh, these classic rock bands, you know, from basically like the 60s until like, you know, 80s, you know, that around that range. And then I have another playlist that's like modern rock, but also like alternative. So, you know, you've got like Cage the Elephant, you've got like Tame Impala, you know, those bands mixed with like modern rock and stuff. So like if I if I'm like really honing in, like focusing on stuff, like especially like you know, if I'm, if I'm working, like I'll listen to those long, long playlists because I mean, I'll sit there for hours, you know, doing something. So it's good to just kind of keep the music consistent. And sometimes I'll also watch like live concerts, you know, like I'll go on YouTube and I'll find like, you know, 
the white stripes from 2007 in like oh, yeah. Japan. A deep cut. Like a deep, <laughs> like, a, like a really like deep cut from like, you know, the yeah. early 2000s, you know, like I love the white stripes. I love Jack White and stuff. So like, I'll just go and like that, those shows are like an hour long, 45 minutes, like an hour and a half long. So that's again, another bit of consistent music mm. that I'll listen to. Yeah, I mean, um, now, Alec, before we get into our last question, I also wanted to ask you this, um, you being a footwear designer, and I think we've had this conversation before, but if you're going to boil it down, you only had one sneaker you could take to an island, not for functionality, just for looks, just how you like it. What is that sneaker? Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a couple, but if I was going to put my finger down on one that, like, if I could just take to an island, you know, uh, I think one of the most sentimental sneakers for me is the adidas samba mm. like Love throughout my youth i've worn that shoe and like yeah. i don't know it's it's a different looking shoe it's it, it, you know it's an indoor soccer shoe and like i i really like to buy product like whether it be clothing or footwear that like has some soccer tiebacks you know so like i will i would say that the samba is like that one because it's like it's durable as hell like you can destroy yeah. it and it'll still stay intact and it's just a different looking shoe and like it's i like the, the black and white pair like the classic one like you mm, can wear it with pretty much anything um yeah it really is so like the massive tongue like the leather like the suede it's like yeah. it's just it's just such a unique looking shoe and like for for sentimental reasons i would probably do that but like there's a ton of Definitely. other shoes that like i love <laughs> it's making a comeback like i see a lot of people like asap rocky and uh a lot of them like bringing it back so i definitely see that as like a new trend in the future um okay i like uh, before we go uh we just want to ask one last question again just thank you for being on today you know we obviously really appreciate it um the, que the question and uh, i i really think this question is important because i relate to this a lot uh is why do you think it's important that young armenians new diasporan young armenians i guess take on more creative or creative careers in the future because notoriously you know our parents our uncles past generations have i don't want to say not ha i don't say have not been as creative but they've been doing like doctor lawyer right dentist, yeah jeweler even I right. have an uncle that's a jeweler why do you think it's important that future generations i guess are more creative in that sense um i think that in general i believe that every person should do something that they love that gives them purpose that gives them a reason you know to do something and if you're doing a job that you think is like okay you know like you could be doing something that's more along the lines of what you really love what you truly enjoy doing and like i've spent my entire life you know knowing that okay i have these skills I know I can do something with them professionally, but can I also do something that like makes me happy, that gives me purpose, that gives me reason, you know, to, and to make a difference. So to me, like, regardless of what you do, it's important that what you're doing, you know, you feel a sense of purpose that you, that you feel a sense of like, you know, am I doing something that's really, you know, worth it? And am I doing something that I enjoy, that I'm passionate about? I firmly believe that. And I, I, I you know, I advocate for that. Um, for Armenians, you know, we're constantly under the threat of, you know, losing our identities. You know, our history has been laid, unfortunately, with, un with, with very depressing and sad times, you know, countlessly being, you know, invaded time and time again by empires in our history to, you know, being massacred in the Armenian genocide to what happened in Artsakh. So because we are constantly under threat of losing our people, losing our identities and assimilating and forgetting our, our culture, whether it be, you know, the music, the food, the history, the, the, the poetry, you know, whatever the case may be, it's important that we maintain and perpetuate those elements of our identity through our lives and, and pass that on to future generations. Um, because if we don't, then we're just going to basically fall victim to the exact thing that our enemies want which is to assimilate and forget who we are because every armenian who forgets their identity or dis who chooses to not you know 
indulge and perpetuate their their identity and 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 the cause ultimately is a is a win for 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 the enemy so there are a lot of armenians out there who have used their creativity to make a difference to you know to to use their skills to raise awareness for what being armenian is what our cause is about you know politically or culturally you know um and if, if there's anyone out there who has you know who has a passion for wanting to create whether you want to design clothes whether you want to design like you know, infographics on social media or design footwear or, you know, do whatever you want, like be a musician, you know, write poetry, you know, if you have that skill and if you have that interest, there are plenty of resources that can help, you know, get your work out there. You know, we're all here to lift each other up and we're all here to like support one another. Uh, I, I personally believe that. And I think that, you know, I think people need to be creative, you know, creativity helps move the needle forward with a lot of things you know some of the biggest moments in like pop culture and you know political fights you know have, have had a lot of creativity involved with it so you know for all the creators out there that are Armenian or non-Armenian you know if you have a cause that you want to fight for that is important you know like do it I, I think that you know it's we have a lot of resources now in today's you know very digital age that can amplify your voice you know and help raise that awareness uh, to, to make a difference and do the right thing. Exactly. Well, that's a great closer, right, Kyle? What do you think? Oh yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for coming on. Of course, man. Thank you, Alec, so much. Thank you guys. Really appreciate it. Where can uh, everybody find your stuff? Shout out all your social media. <laughs> Real quick. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'll, I'll quickly do some plugs. Um, so the website for my brand is as-am-official.com. The uh, Instagram is as.am underscore official for the brand as well. And then my like design Instagram, like what I do like more for like footwear and like other stuff like that the the more professional instagram that i have for, for like my work outside of the brand is a underscore underscore suren s-u-r-e-n so those are all of my social medias <laughs> all right sweet Perfect. well thank you so much for joining us thank you guys really you appreciate it all right. So that was our interview with Alec. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's gr great to get our first interview done. You yes. know, it's, it's, it's fun to, to do stuff like that. And, you know, we're, we're going to be trying to branch out and doing some more stuff like that, especially when we don't have, you know, immediate music stuff to be talking about. Mm -hmm. And I think it's fitting that, you know, on a show where we focus a lot on music and fashion and fashion is such an important part of it that we got to talk about exactly you know, fashion as, uh, especially someone who is, you know, with you and your in your process and very similar to your yeah. process at the same time um but yeah so that's going to do it for us um if you guys want to follow us on instagram and twitter you can follow us at seem sketchy pod you should follow us on spotify soundcloud apple Podcasts, wherever you get your stuff i'm assuming mm -hmm. you probably get it from those three i know there are other places but you know those are the those are the big three um you can follow me on twitter at kbray 63 you can follow me on instagram at kyle underscore bray dot png still a mouthful I don't <laughs> but i'm not going to change it because i love it it's no, just it's not fire. it's not as easy as before when i could just say follow me on instagram and twitter at kbray exactly but, you know at kyle underscore bray dot png gar what about you uh follow me gar baz on instagram and twitter uh that's it really right now kyle great first interview i'm really happy we're doing this and i can't wait to see what the future holds Hell yeah. We'll see you guys in the next one. We'll see ya.